Hello, everyone. This is the Breathing Problem Productions podcast. I'm Rusty Kelly. And I'm Amelia McCabe. And today we have our very special guest, Mitchell Kreitz Crum, a.k.a. Immortalist. Say hi, Mitchell. Hey. <laughs> hey. So today uh, we're, uh, we're planning, we're doing a Zoom podcast, and the idea was we're going to talk about uh, our all personal history with video games. Um, like, uh, video games have been a huge part of my life, uh, especially also, like, in recovery, getting sober, I rediscovered my love of video games, and, like, it, like, was a huge part of, like, helping me deal with just all the, like, insanity in my mind. It helps me really focus on, like, one thing. Um, but anyway, just, uh, so, yeah, we wanted to talk about our history with video games, our love of video games, um, and, like, uh, it's kind of broad, but I have some beginning stuff we could talk about. So one one idea I had to start was, Mitchell, d- did you want to talk about, like, some of your first memories of video games as a kid, if you have any, like, some of your earliest memories? Well, it was definitely all, like, LucasArts adventure games, uh-huh. uh, with playing with my mom, for sure. Uh, oh, hell yeah. It's, it's funny because I was talked to my mom the other day on the phone and I, she still remembers all those games. I started to realize that she was actually playing them. Yeah, I was yeah. Watching. Yeah. But uh, yeah, we, she was, I was talking to her about Seventh Guest the other day and she's like, oh my God, that one was so scary. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. I know. It literally gave me nightmares for years. Yeah. Little did I know it's like critically panned so hard. I mean, I have huge, I have total memories too of forcing my mom to figure out how to install Seventh Guest, which like learning to install a game is was its own like game in itself yeah. back then i did i did a book report in like third grade on the seventh guest strategy guide oh fuck uh, see that's <laughs> i wish i did that that's amazing well see like i can't believe they let me do that like dude, what was i yeah. even doing where did you go I was to writing a uh, lee oh, robert yeah. e lee oh, oh wow texas nope yeah no longer called that <laughs> yeah right uh, only until like this year probably yeah uh, um it's still called lee i don't remember what they changed it, whose name they changed it to it's i like think it, one they should have done bruce lee or something right or like any name <laughs> um well i did you um, i have like yeah memories i think I th- one thing that's interesting to me is like you know there's like the dumb meme of like girls don't play video games and i think what's interesting to me is like I have nothing but memories of my mom playing games with me, helping me play video games. Like you said, like I was watching my mom essentially play a game that I would be like next door. Uh, And I mean, as a side note, my mom loves Doom and loves video games. Of course, that's total bullshit. But um, okay, well, did you play, like, as you went on, do you remember the first games you actually like play played where you like sat and played a game? I mean, I guess it was like, Sam and Max, I remember getting very deeply into and like getting to the end and kind yeah. of understanding it. Uh, yeah. I do actually, my, I think my first actual video game memory is my older sister was super into Zelda 2 and mm-hmm. had it on NES. And I really wanted to play it when I was a kid because she was my older sister and she right. played it all the time. And one time she was like gone from the house or something. 
whatever the situation was, I snuck into her room in like classic little brother style. I tried to play and I just deleted her save file. Oh, fuck. Uh-oh. <laughs> she uh... was very angry. Oh, my God. I got from that gamer rage early, I guess. <laughs> but yeah, the thing about the, like, it's really interesting what you're saying about how the games became a boy club. Because I think they really did become a boys club. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. it was part of the 90s, like, uh, video game marketing push was to consolidate the audience to, like, yeah, adolescent sure. boys. Because before then, games weren't, didn't really have a target audience. Well, right, it was like people in an arcade. If you were in the arcade hanging out, drinking, or like, or if you were underage, that seemed pretty genderless. I don't know, I wasn't around in the 70s or 80s. Yeah, I mean, also games back then, like, I mean, now think about what games are. They have so much more, they have so much fidelity to show all these crazy things. Back then, like, the difference between, you know, a popular game for kids and solitaire is like, nothing right, right it's like the same yeah. shit right yeah yeah totally I, I think you know uh i was thinking about like there's a i wish i still had it but there was a recorded like i made my mom put a video camera up to our tv in like 1993 and she had the, the nes and we were playing this game that i i bought again it's called abadax it's like a shoot 'em up game i think that's an i don't know that it's just it's just like a generic shoot 'em up whatever it's a cool game but i would in the recording you can hear me yelling at my mom i'm like five like <laughs> mom you died you fuck you died i probably wasn't saying fuck but you know you died. go again go again go again and she's like okay okay i'm gonna try and it, this game is like known as being like super i mean all nintendo games were but it was it's a super hard game so yeah. i mean i don't know it's uh but as it went on, yeah, like I, I remember playing the LucasArts game The Dig with my mom. Oh, yeah, The Dig. I, I always forget about that one. That I love that one, too. Do you yeah. remember the little mini game with the, it was like a Lunar Lander mini game? Yes, yeah. And I can oh, remember, yeah. I can remember playing, I can remember playing this game with my mom and then, you know, not having a strategy guide. So you'd have to call a 900 number to get a hint. Oh, yeah. And it was just like That's- basically a paid, cheat guy yeah, I mean, yeah that was like the early microtransactions right? yeah it was the games like are purposefully designed to be up to so oh yeah to i mean yeah because like i think in the box it was like if you're stuck call our 900 number that we own so yeah. you know you paid for if people don't realize as they're listening you had to pay for for the secrets of how to beat these super moon logic puzzles yeah and it makes you think like was moon logic just a product of like you know, new developers not really knowing what they're doing or yeah, what they're yeah, yeah. sinister. Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, do you do you remember, like, as time went on, did you did you get an NES? Did you have a Sega, or what did what did you have? Yeah, I got an NES. I never had a Sega. I don't think. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a Sega friend. Right. A Sega. Right. Right. But I I had an NES, but it was past it being like snes was already out and i had an i had an nes because right, right. my parents were kind of anti-games for a while when i was a kid oh wow okay so yeah but they got caught up in the whole you know games are gonna make you go shoot your screw right. or whatever yeah. so for a while they really thought like games are gonna make me violent and so i didn't I remember <laughs> specifically what happened so you could still rent nes games at blockbusters at this point so I had rented the cliffhanger video game, which oh, is wow. actually my favorite movie at the time too. Oh, hell yeah. I remember it. 
Uh, so I rented the cliffhanger video game and you like, it starts off, all I remember is the very beginning, but you're on like the snowy mountain and you're like shooting wolves or something. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, so then like a couple weeks later, you know, I'm like literally six or something at the time. And I dropped, we had a miniature dachshund and I dropped it. Uh-huh. And my parents thought I had done it, or my mom said I did it on purpose. <laughs> oh, God. Because oh God. video games had like twisted me <laughs> into this violent person. Oh, my God. And I, and I was like, basically didn't have video games the next four years. Like, what? That's crazy. Yeah, so I just didn't play them for a long time. And then later on, I got I had this friend in elementary school. Um, and he was like really into video games. And, you know, it was, he was a collector, I guess. You know, uh-huh. I never even thought about doing something yeah, like that. Yeah, I just yeah. liked playing them. But he yeah. kind of got me into that world and I started buying like SNES JRPGs and stuff. And this is, you know, they were kind of expensive already, but not. So this like is this like now. the late 90s or? Yeah, uh, yeah. I was at Kirby Hall around uh-huh. then. I so, guess. Mid- so yeah, something, what grade would so you, that have been? Third, fourth grade? Something like uh, okay, that. right, right. Well, that's interesting. So, so yeah, mid 90s. So he was, ar- so you had this friend that was already like, these are interesting games to get that you should have. Yeah, he collected Hulk stuff before. I oh, whoa, that's cr- interesting. And then we went, he, we went from Hulk merchandise over to games. Eventually, oh, he had like an arcade cabinet. Oh, he had whoa. Cool stuff. Oh, whoa, yeah. I played a PlayStation 1 at his house for the very first time. We played Jumping Flash in Resident Evil 1. Oh, Resident Evil 1, we literally turned it off after the first song. Yeah, yeah. Dude, that's, that's a crazy thing. I mean, I'm sure many kids can relate to this, but I rented Resident Evil 1 with a friend on a Friday and then the moment that you see the, the little chomping video and the moment that you get back into the game and the zombies coming at you, it was like, fuck this, turn it off. Yeah. Yeah. Was like, and then no. I was, I guess it's too dumb to realize how cool Jumping Flash is. Oh, actually. yeah, yeah. At the time, I was like, it looked bad to me, yeah. even seeing a PlayStation yeah. game for the first time, because it was, it was like low poly, not representative of any like real life thing you yeah, know? yeah yeah it was more like a geometric map yeah and it was also decidedly kitty and yeah. you know when you're that age you're like this shit's oh, for babies yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but and it was like literally called like kitty doom oh <laughs> and I, yeah it's insane it's such a cool game it's the first person I need, i've never played it i need to look at it i, I don't it's think the I've... same people who made the ghost in the shell psx game interesting whoa whoa yeah um and amelia i wanted to ask you like because we have your mini list of games that you love. Because, you know, Amelia is different in the games that she, she's obsessed with. Uh, like, uh, Amelia, like, loves the game Getting Over It with Bennett Foddy. Um, if people... I don't know. <laughs> but people who don't, are listening to this that don't know what that game is, it's like a newer game that's kind of like, was is really minimal you're climbing up this mountain and it's very physical you got to use a mouse um it's, it was kind of designed to be like a viral thing and it's very self-aware anyway it's worth playing yeah. but i'm bad, bad at the game i'm very terrible at the game but amelia who still hasn't beaten it but loves playing it she'll she'll like just turn it on and what what do you think why do you like the game like what do you think it does for I think like the discipline of it is kind of like hilarious because you just like always fall and like it it's like constantly making the statement about how like absurd life is or something like mm-hmm. in this way and like you're just failing because it is like fun to totally just like crash and burn yeah, yeah. and like yeah. 
Yeah, for sure. It's like an, it's an awesome game. It'll make you like laugh super hard because it's just like, you're like so a guy again. in a bucket with like a hammer and that's all you have. It's like so fucked up. <laughs> but um, I like the first video game I was like obsessed with mm-hmm. was like, my family bought their first computer from our neighbor and it already had like games on it and there's this game called chips challenge right on it that's like a puzzle game and to this day like i'll still play it and like it's it's just like endless like levels of different puzzles and like it's worth checking out it's Right, and for people that, that haven't heard of this game, I, I hadn't heard of it when Amelia showed it to me, but it's like, from what I can tell, it was maybe designed in the late 80s or early 90s. For I think 89. Okay, yeah, for, for computer for PCs, and it's like a very simplistic, you know, you're just a little character that kind of moves on a grid, <laughs> and there's kind of traps that are designed. You got to get a key to open a door and you have to collect these chips, computer chips. And it's very simple, like get point A to point B, but then it gets more complex as there's different kinds of enemies. Um, there's different traps. Like I already said that, but what's interesting there's is different like shoes that give you the ability to walk on different surfaces. And right. Stuff like that. And, and it almost seems like a, the way I view it is it might be a great game design one-on-one type thing because mm-hmm. the game can be super simple but then as you by the way all the levels are all like become eventually user designed like amelia will play the chips challenge game and they're all as she's gone past all these levels that are all like made by fans so really yeah yeah Yeah. and so the levels start to feel like uh you know this this early kind of modding culture thing where like you know, people get to slowly make the levels more and more complex. There's all these different hoops you have to go through. But uh, I think that's what's interesting. It's like Amelia loves this game getting over it. That's in a way very minimalistic, but also like there's a lot of possibilities intellectually. And then Chip's Challenge is very simplistic to a certain extent, but it builds on itself in terms of the community. And then... um, The Witness. It's yeah, the witness is the game. game. Yeah, yeah. We're, which we've all, all of us have played. Um, it's like another kind of puzzle game that has a lot of like interesting kind of intellectual stuff. But I, I just want to. All these games also have like all their onboarding like built into the game. Oh yeah, I think, and that's like also I think a quality of a lot of older games is like within the first you know two minutes of playing the game, you know what the game is. You yes, can kind yes. of see where yeah. it's going, where what it's going to do, what it's going to challenge you with. Yeah. Modern games, I mean, two hours of cutscenes later, you're like, <laughs> yeah. all right, what's this game about? And then 60 hours in, you're like, man, this game sucks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> or like more and more games that are just like, the, the, the title of the game is two hours in or whatever. Oh, it's just funny. Yeah. Um, but, um, well, yeah, and another thing, a game that just really quickly, Amelia, that you liked a lot, but you couldn't really play because you have motion sickness was yeah. you said Super Monkey Ball was a game. Oh my it, god, yeah. Why did I not put so that on my sad. list? Oh my god. <laughs> like, <laughs> Super Monkey Ball is the best. Yeah, really yeah. Good. Well, no, it made me it? so sad because I have like, I'm just one of those people that like if I watch it, it'll make me like want to vomit, you know? Because yeah, you have like, motion really sickness. Nauseous. Yeah. And so it was so depressing as a kid. Like, uh, it was like Christmas Eve and my cousins had it they got it for christmas and we were like playing it and then 
I got such bad motion sickness that I was sick the entire day of like Christmas. But you won, but you never forgot the game. And and again, it's a similar game as to what Mitchell says, where you know what Super Monkey Ball is. Yeah, it is what it is from the first level. It just builds on itself. It's also weird. It's like Super Monkey Ball is the only. I mean fairly modern i guess it's kind of yeah. dead now but uh like the only marble run game that's ever really mm-hmm. had any sustainability yeah. for some reason yeah yeah no, i guess it's just because it has great aesthetic and um, the soundtrack oh my god yeah. <laughs> i love the soundtrack uh, yeah well um mitchell like okay so uh, if, if we're going on a little narrative back to oh, the dog uh uh it, you know you're in elementary school your your friend did you play like rpgs early on i didn't play yeah like... i played the snes ones like i played chrono trigger final fantasy 2 slash 4 and 6 wait is that right yeah 3 slash 6 or whatever yeah, yeah. um now i'm getting them mixed up i played those when i was a kid uh and i guess probably i mean so this has got to be 97 or something because i don't think i was into rbgs before final fantasy 7 mm-hmm. as yeah. you know yeah everybody was <laughs> yeah 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 i mean so i can final fantasy 7 always like changed the freaking world yeah and that's the thing i think we're a similar age and i think what's interesting is i knew about rpgs and but i never finished them or i would get bored with them um but as final fantasy 7 comes around and i have a playstation one I remember the weekend that me and a friend finally sat and started playing it and I didn't just get bored or get frustrated, you know, mm-hmm. and stop it. We, I remember finally getting out of, of Midgar and like going through the whole opening and feeling- I had like- a PSN magazine edition on Final Fantasy VII. Uh-huh. Um, I, I, was, I was in Colorado at the time. I, I remember this. And- I was looking through the magazine like every day. I was so obsessed and I didn't own the game, but I just got a PlayStation. So I was going to go rent it. Yeah. But we had to drive like an hour to get the blockbusters because oh, it's like shit. out in the mountains or whatever. Yeah. And so one day we like do our town run and I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to rent Final Fantasy 7 I'm so excited. <laughs> we got it. We get back home and I open it up and I put it in and it's like not working and I can't figure it out. Oh, they shit. only gave me disc two. Oh, oh. <laughs> that's so fucked up. <laughs> I had no idea, you know. I didn't even know. Yeah, yeah. That's a yeah, yeah. I can also. That's the thing. As a kid, like, just games wouldn't work. You'd be horribly frustrated, and then just kind of like accept it. I don't know, like with games not like installing properly. Like, oh, or, yeah. I definitely remember being on the phone with like everquest tech support oh, for, like, shit. two hours trying to get like everquest to arc expansion part path <sighs> to start working i dude i wish um i wish i had gotten into everquest i had friends obviously at middle school that loves playing it but i was like i was too i was my pc wasn't good enough that was like the issue um yeah i mean and mine probably wasn't either yeah. i remember it being like incredibly dark Oh yeah, and I don't know if that was like my PC being yeah. fucked well, up. Yeah, sometimes you just did... not understanding it. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes you just didn't know. I mean, I was, I was saying, I was saying to somebody, I was saying it to you the other day that I felt like Final Fantasy VII was like our Star Wars for our generation. Like, if you talk to a lot of kids on our like age uh, who like video games, at least 
Like they all talk about all the characters in Final Fantasy VII and the lore of Final Fantasy VII in the same way that I can kind of remember documentaries or pop culture talking about the greatness of Star Wars. You know, mm-hmm. like uh, at least that was what it was for me. Where I it was one so of the. So what's fir- the new Star Wars? Oh, dude, I don't know, right? Like I, I don't Final know Fantasy what remake. Oh God, hell no, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it's just it, 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 final. I remember Final Fantasy VII when I started to realize that the story was going in an interestingly weird direction. It blew my mind. I was like, oh, this isn't just about what I assumed it was going to be about us fighting Shinra through the whole game, and that the pre- President Shinra is going to be the big bad guy. And that was the you know that was kind of what I assumed yeah. the game was going to be, and then. All of a sudden, we get to this part of the game where he gets killed, and things start to shift around and get weirder and weirder. Um, yeah, little did we know that's like a staple of FF too. Right, right, yeah. And I think I can remember literally like downloading like lore packets, like trying to explain the game and like tr- reading through them, like pages online trying to really understand the weirdness of, of the, the story. And even, I mean, there's also something to be said of how many, like, uh, I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing, but obviously there's like a million twists in Final Fantasy VII, maybe too many twists, you know? I don't know. I mean, yeah, I love the, the game. The story doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah, really. I mean, yeah, yeah. It's about the char- It's about the journey and the characters, right? Yeah. And, and I think, you know, I can... Do you, I mean, did you play the game with a friend or did you just beat it alone when you finally got it? Um, I definitely played it like concurrently with friends playing it. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I And I had a friend who had like the end game save file. Oh, cool, so, right. And he told me all the tricks, like night the round. Right, right. I saw him fight like Ruby and Emerald oh, Weapon shit. Okay, before right. I even know, knew what they were. Right. And he was also the one who told me stuff like the underwater materia mm-hmm. secret. Oh, and, damn. But then he also, you know, went on to tell me that you could use the underwater materia to resurrect a certain character. Right, 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 right. Spoilers to uh, over twenty-year-old game that we want. It's a, such a good <laughs> moment, and like I oh, always right. feel, oh, God, I wish. This is my big issue with games. They take fucking sixty hours to finish them. And right, like, right. So, I'm like, want my like dad who's seventy. To be uh-huh. able to like see Final Fantasy VII, not because I think it's gonna like blow his mind, but right, I think right. it's gonna like if he could like experience that, he'd be like, "Oh, this is why you are the you way you love these." Like, oh, right, right, right. Like it's so informative for so many people, but it's such a daunting task for anybody right, to experience. It, right, it isn't like Star Wars where you can sit down and watch Star Wars for an hour and a half. You got to play this game literally. Yeah, yeah. No, it, it's it's a fucking task, and it's a very long task. Um, I think it's interesting to think, you know, the, the, there was a, these groups of kids that were sitting and like, we weren't necessarily, although cert, certain people read, you know, Lord of the Rings, but sitting there and sitting in front of a TV and just like, kind of feeling like I was being taken away to this interesting place where you're connecting with all these characters. And then of course, like you were talking about with the, the secrets, I can remember like, figuring out how to get the golden chocobo so I could, you know, get the Knights of the Round materia. And it was Mm -hmm. just such a task of like, oh, fuck, I finally did it. You know, like, uh, anyway, there's plenty to be said about what games can do where you feel like you actually, like, accomplish something. Uh, Mm -hmm. 
I mean, that community effort is so important to all games. I mean, that's why, you know, I even though I would say you can wait a little bit after a new game comes out if you're not super interested to play it, but I like playing games right when they come out because that's when you get that community involvement around right. discovering all the little intricacies. Right. And I mean, that you could we could even fast forward to like something like Dark Souls where you know, for a long time, I've missed probably a bunch of really good games, but I was doing drugs and I just wasn't playing games like I was before. Yeah, me too. And I discovering for me, and the way I discovered Dark Souls, and I think it's kind of interesting, it's, it's cheesy too. I was on Reddit <laughs> and it was like gaming, whatever subreddit. And it was like the difference between Skyrim and Dark Souls. And it was like Skyrim has like the little, you know, where to go thing. And Dark Souls is just like, hey, there's some bells maybe ring them or whatever and yeah i mean i remember the first time seeing dark souls was at your house and Mm -hmm. at the apartment and i came over there and you were playing it and you're like dude this game is insane you're like (laughs) super into it i was like it just looks like you're walking around an infinite cave (laughs) yeah yeah right i'm trying to remember like now that i played i might have been i'm like what section were you in i might have been in like the 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 skeleton like you know the whatever the the tombs the skeleton giants tomb or something like. oh yeah the the dark area tomb of the giants yeah something yeah. like that which you know is just a dark set of caverns but i think i remember reading that and going oh that sounds weird that sounds kind of interesting and just ordering it on amazon whatever some used game um and i can remember playing it getting past like uh this the opening boss demon asylum demon being like, this isn't that hard. Like, whatever. This isn't that big of a deal. And sitting there and dying when you get to the undead asylum area, there's like the mm. beginning. You really understand, okay, you got to learn this loop. You got to learn this loop and you need to like really figure this out. And so well, this it's day- unfortunate the marketing about how hard it is kind of messed yeah, up the message I- that the game teaches you at the beginning. Yeah, yeah, I think... You know what I, think, I mean? Yeah, yeah, I think I was lucky to, like, have gotten it relatively early in the sense that it, it hadn't become a total meme. Yeah. <laughs> it, it hadn't... I mean, so many people just are, like, they go to the skeleton first, and then they're dying over and over again. They're, like... And, you know, I see people online always say, it's like, well, it's obvious you're not supposed to go that way. It's, like... It's not obvious at all. 10 years of people saying like dark souls is like the hardest game yeah, yeah, yeah and then like so you started off and you die constantly and you're like yeah this makes sense this game is really hard yeah fuck you this. don't understand yeah. that it's like no, no no the game's not this hard i mean there's I, actually a normal path that makes well, sense clearly they learned something from it for better or worse because in all other games after dark souls you can't really do that like you can't well, really do that in bloodborne Bloodborne was the first one I played, and I did a, no, I had no idea what I was getting into, <laughs> okay, and yeah. I I was stuck at that bonfire area, not the bonfire, oh, right, but, right, you know the bonfire thing in uh, yeah, yeah. In Bloodborne, yeah, yeah. I just like couldn't figure it out. I was like trying to kill all the guys Everyone. over and over again. And right. I was like, this is insane. This is so <laughs> insane. Like, who plays this shit? Yeah, what the yeah. Fuck? <laughs> And then I finally realized, like, I could just run past them. Right. And I felt like I was cheating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're not supposed to do this in video games. Right. And then I was like, oh, wait, this game expects me to use anything that I have Mm -hmm. to get past it. Which is, you know, that's also kind of why I think, oh, sorry to segue. And we don't have to actually go down this path. But Underrail is similar in that regard. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, it, it really, like, makes you use every tool at your disposal, including, like, cheesing the game, which I think right. is fun. Right. It means that there's no, like, self-imposed rules right. in order to get, like, the full experience. Yeah, I yeah. Going about that forever. Oh, yeah, I'm yeah. Using the developers halfway, you know? I yeah. Like that. Well, no, no, talk about it. No, that's, I think people should hear that. Well, okay, so I guess my idea is that when I play games, I have this feeling that I need to, I want to have the intended experience. Mm -hmm. And maybe that's already flawed and maybe games are flawed for being designed with an intended experience in mind in the first place. Uh -huh. But I always want to have like, you know, when you're developing a game, you can only spend so much time on so much stuff. And I want to have like the most polished, like developer intended path so I can get the message or, you know, whatever they're trying to put in this game out of it. Yeah. And a lot of games, I feel like they ask you kind of to meet them halfway, for instance, Death Stranding, yeah. where you can like make the game play and look horrible if you want. But if you play the game the way Kojima kind of wants you to play it, it works a lot better. I also had the same experience with Red Dead Redemption 2. Remember, I like played it and I was like, this is like not doing it for me. And then I went back after watching that Noah video. Uh-huh. And oh, I was, yeah. like, kind of met, I felt like, okay, I understand I'm not playing a game where I get to choose. I'm controlling the camera in a movie that's already been created by Rockstar and I yeah, just yeah. choose where the camera angle is facing and I was yeah, like yeah. all right I like this game a lot more now yeah yeah just admitted that that's a good point and I think I think I should probably do that more in some cases I'm actually like in a in a game funk weirdly enough right now where like I've been like playing games and I'm like all right I need to love this game I really need to love it and then it's like it's not the worst game in the world, but I'm like refusing to stick with it. I've been like throwing, not throwing the game, but I want to be like, fuck this. No, this game's not as cool. Like I was texting you like, oh, I'm going to play Alan Wake now. And then. You couldn't like, get into it? I played it for a while and it was definitely fun. And then I was like, yeah, I get what this is. And it's, yeah, I should I probably beat it, but I was just, I'm, it's in, I don't know, just thinking about certain funks you can get in where you just, like, I don't want to give any game that much of a chance. Or, like, I was well, playing you this. you know me. I, like, never beat anything. Yeah, that. yeah. Well, I'm weird. Yeah, that's the other thing. I'll beat a game upset because I start to get in, like, obsessive-compulsive mode where I'm like, I have to beat this game. It's on this list that I have. But that's, that's like, a whole other thing. Well, that, that's, like, how you play a game. That's, like, your goal, right? <laughs> You're yeah, a completionist yeah. in a way. Yeah, yeah. I think... Um, I just uh, want to see how the game is made. As soon yeah. as I can see behind the curtain, I'm like pretty much done with the game. Which I... This which is, is, this isn't it, fun anymore to me. Well, like, which I is, how it works. That's valid too because like I know that I love Super Mario Brothers for NES. I've never beaten Super Mario Brothers. Like I've beat... I've played the first like seven levels of Super Mario Brothers you know, won a million times since mm. the 90s. I don't need to have beaten that game. I really don't. Yeah. It's not a big deal. Maybe someday I'll do it to be like, oh, I beat it. But like... Well, you know, it completely changes in level eight. Oh, right, right. Does it? No. <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It's like, I've watched so many speedruns of that game. No, but like, it was okay. It was like kind of... I think that's what's interesting. As games moved on, it was like accepted... Or, I mean, it, you, you were supposed to beat the game. For a long time, you just didn't beat games. It was like an arcade thing. A weird, like, a really obsessive person beat the game. But generally, people played for a while and then whatever, you know? Yeah. 
Also, we didn't have very many games back then. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I can just remember having a bunch of NES games as a kid and being like, I, I know the beginning level of all these games. And maybe if I got to, like, the fourth level accidentally, I'd be like, oh, shit. Weird. Yeah, this is what this looks like. Yeah, it's really weird when you revisit the games from your childhood and you're like, oh, that huge world, I imagine, with, like, the tutorial area. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I never, never figured out I just need to carry this key 10 feet. Yeah. Um, okay, I'm just looking at kind of like both of both of our lists, um, or I, and actually one thing we all have also is Inside, which I don't know. There's not a lot to say about it. Everyone knows about that game, and it's a cool game. Uh, Amelia, that's another game you like a lot, Amelia. Yeah. Is that we all we played that together, and I don't know. It's like so fun to kind of sit and like figure that game out. Yeah. Or it's like a puzzle game. Uh, unanswerable like. mysteries, man. Give them to me all day. Oh, yeah. No, exactly. Inside also has great trailers, which is a big thing for me. I love trailers. Oh, like the, like the trailer for it? Yeah. Uh, like, yeah. it got me yeah. so hyped, and I still can go back and watch too. it. Oh, that's really I good. love games where, like, the mystery starts before the game is released. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess that means I like hype, even though I say I Yeah, yeah, yeah. But... I- I mean, I can remember the uh, back to Final Fantasy VII, the trailer for Final Fantasy VII. Do you, there's like a oh yeah, the one wait the U.S. one where it's like this game is like took a uh, billion dollars. Oh, uh, I don't know if it was that one. There's like there's one, one that's just like a straight like alkaline right. like spent on it. There's just this image in Final Fantasy so VII, cool. one of the trailers where it shows like the Genova like exterior skeleton <laughs> kind of thing. Uh, it's like this, it looks like a woman's, like, face, metal face mask. I don't know. We'd have to look it up, but it was so mysterious and weird I know what you're talking about. Or, From yeah. the Nibelheim or whatever. Yeah, is. yeah. It was, like, essentially the Genova exterior, like, encasement thing. In the was, reactor, yeah. Yeah, it looks like a, yeah, it looks like a statue or something. Yeah, that's But I was scary. like, I was just like, what the fuck is this? You know, what is that strange thing? Um, also, I mean, were you into anime before then? You know, I definitely... Or was I mean, that your big Japanese injection? I, I think, you know, there was things on TV, like uh, Speed Racer would randomly be on, which doesn't really count, but I, I definitely remember... I don't even think I knew Speed Racer was Japanese when I was a yeah, kid. Yeah, maybe, I don't know how I... But as a kid, though, I definitely, like, I can remember going to Blockbuster or Hollywood Video, and they'd have, like, an animation section, you know, and they'd have Akira. Oh, say, yeah. It would say, not for kids, or whatever. Um, or, oh yeah, they definitely had that. I love too. Yeah, Hulkin or one of those. They or they would have like um, what's what's they would have, you know, Ghost in the Shell, not for kids. Um, and it would one hundred percent make me want to like be really interested in seeing what this was. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, and uh, I think anyway. That's a good question as to when I like really, really got it. I, I mean, I would say I got into anime when my friend in sixth grade or seventh grade rented Evangelion. It was probably seventh grade. This kid that I went to that I went to camp with. That, that I, was the first anime I ever saw too. Hell yeah, yeah. Did did you rent it or buy it or do you remember? My friend had it. Who um, in sixth grade? He was very into the band Cake. Oh, hell yeah. And he had Evangelion DVDs, and he claimed that he had smoked weed. (laughs) And uh, I remember one time we went, we spent the night at his house, and he he smoked grass from his yard. 
Oh and this little wooden pipe he had to whittle. impress you yeah and we yeah. were and he's like you guys want some we're like we're good i mean I was <laughs> not i wasn't like dude this guy's an idiot i was like i don't want to do drugs yeah like, i thought it was yeah. gonna work i didn't know but so yeah. uh yeah. <laughs> i remember watching it with him for the first time that's sick. yeah he's probably who got me into anime actually so I just remember, yeah, this kid who I went to camp with, who we talked about Final Fantasy VII all the time. Uh, when I went to Camp Longhorn, which was a lot of bros, but there was this one kid. He was a, the nerd with with me, and he. Uh, anyway, we finally met up outside of camp, and he was like, "You got to check this the show out." I don't know. Everyone's probably has this story about Evangelion, but I just remember watching the opening of it and as we watched all the episodes it just once you realize things were weird and strange and uh they they went beyond a regular mecha show or whatever anyway everyone knows this that has watched evangelion but that moment of mystery of like this is beyond what you think it's about was such an such an amazing thing for me you know Mm -hmm. it was like blew my mind it seems like a through line for this kind of media. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the, 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 you know, we all love, like, say, Twin Peaks and David Lynch and stuff, and just that beauty of mystery and allowing yourself to kind of fall into your the intellectual curiosity that goes with all that. You know what I mean? And that's, like, what games really are all about, right? So right. much of it is discovery, exploration, and introduction of new ideas. Yes, yeah. And, yeah. and like, and it's also, like, you know, I think in a lot of ways, so many game designers at least have struggled for so long about what is the reward? Like, why do people play games? Like, mm-hmm. you know, na- especially now where the reward really has to be something nearly tangible in a way. Right. It's like, what do you unlock? What do you get out of playing this game? Right. And, you know, that's what ba- getting over it's kind of about. And stuff. Right, right, right. And the like witness. Yeah. And the witness. And mm-hmm. um, curiosity, what's inside the cube? Right. Oh, yeah, that Peter Millennial throw. Yeah, the ultimate breakdown of games, my favorite thing ever. Um, I love him. He's so earnestly. Well, yeah, I mean, people that are listening to this who love uh, are interested in game history. There's an amazing like a Peter Molyneux series by this YouTuber. I'm a Patreon of them. Uh, Kim Justice. Yes. I mean, Kim Justice and she, she just put it together in a one big uh, yeah. one video too. Yeah, and it's if anyone listening is interested and in, know who Peter Molyneux is, he's a game designer with a storied history, ups and downs and ins and outs, good and bad. It's worth watching. It's like you could put it on DVD and sell it. It's a great documentary series. Um, but uh, I think I don't know. Uh, just back to like interesting games that like. I think really blew my mind. Um, I can, you know, I can remember being a kid and sitting and playing like say Banjo-Kazooie and trying to figure out all the like little secrets and like collectibles and really getting into it and understanding it. Banjo-Kazooie had a lot of that too, especially the weird baked in sequel stuff that they never ended up pulling on. Do you remember that? No, no. So Banjo-Kazooie 1 had these, like, hints for Banjo-Tooie. Mm-hmm. 
that was like hidden away like in this mountain or something uh-huh. i don't remember the specific uh-huh. but it, at the time it was i think the idea was that banjo tui was going to have some special cart where you could like put the carts on top of each other oh, in 64 okay. and like transfer save data oh, okay okay but yeah. it was still like secret save data it was right super, right i really got my imagination going <laughs> yeah yeah i think it's interesting the way that like the kind of people being in real life, friends and sleepovers, hanging out, discovering a game, like, you know, friends of mine that I still talk to, like, I still, I found that kid that I played, you know, that I watched Evangelion with and played Final Fantasy with, I, like, hadn't talked to him in 20 years, and I, like, was like, where's this dude? I found him on Twitter, he's, like, a pretty big coding developer guy that's worked for a bunch of companies but no way really yeah but we still remembered those kind of like you know you feel like you're collaborating on you know the way you feel when you're in a band with somebody right you like you're you guys figured this thing out together at least though that's so even if you're watching a show or something i can remember literally sitting and trying to like also like another interesting thing like pokemon i'm sure a lot of people can relate to this is like trying to figure out what the next Pokemon games were going to be and if there was going to be new Pokemon and what they were like. Uh, were you ever a big Pokemon dude or no? Me? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, yeah. Uh, dude, yeah. I, have yeah, a, yeah. I bought the, when I was a kid, I bought Pokemon Yellow, the one with Pikachu. Right, right. Uh, import from Gamefellows. Oh, Gamefellows, hell yeah. And I was like, oh, I'm totally going to learn Japanese and play this. <laughs> Yeah, I still have the card. <laughs> oh, hell yeah. <laughs> I don't know Japanese. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I can remember um, a kid that I that I was friends with that, w- that I went to school with in fifth and sixth grade. Seeing, this is like a well-known lore about Pokemon. There's a Pokemon called Meryl that everyone thought was called Pika Blue because it looks kind of like Pikachu that's blue. Its real name's Meryl. But... Uh, my friend, because he had gotten, like, Japanese, like, GIFs and images of this Meryl character, made his own GeoCities website called, like, like website dedicated to Peekaboo. And actually, this <laughs> happened all over America, and if you Google it. And it was like, hey, this is the new Pokemon. This is going to be one of the new ones. Or, like, uh, talking about Mew, which was, a, like, ever, you know, that was the 151st Pokemon. But you know, of course, this has been talked about in a million YouTube videos and stuff, but just that kind of, like, uh, hidden discovery of, like, is this real? Is this not real? Just, you know, now you can see, like, oh, hey, like, uh, in Japan, these games are out, and, like, these are what they are. You could even get an import if you really wanted to, you know, and like you said, you got, like, Pokemon Yellow imported, but it's, like, it felt very, like, um, I mean, I paid, like, $15 $15 to play PlayStation 2. Right. At, at, at early at Game Fellows. Right. Like, yeah. Yeah. Or something. Like Just, they were like, the, they coveted all this. Oh, know, yeah. All this cool stuff from Japan that I wanted really bad. Dude, at Game Fellows, I got a uh, Pokemon like import card that was Japanese of like Tokabi or something like that. And uh, I remember being like, oh, can I get this card, this import card? And there was, like, this literal comic, Simpsons comic book guy character who was like, ugh, I hate Pokemon. Ugh. It was, like, guy in his 30s with, like, a big beer gut. And I was Where like, do you think he's at now? All right. I mean, he, he's probably in some interesting forums. But uh, talking about how <laughs> how great the good old days of, like, you know, 
of fandom was but in reality he was he was an asshole that i literally the guy i was like 12 and this guy was like oh you like pokemon i was like i can remember actually being like well yeah i'm like a kid like you're an adult you're like in your 30s like can you kind of buy this fucking card from you and he was like god pokemon is such a fad it's so lame um and you know i'm sure in secret he had like a million like Pokemon posters or something, but <laughs> it's interesting to think about. Uh, although on a, on the flip side of that, I remember going to Dragon's Lair off Guadalupe as a kid, when Dragon's Lair the comic book store was basically that's like, where I used to go. It was basically like, like a yeah, it was basically like a house, which is so cool to think about. It was just like a residential house they had turned into a comic book store, you know, and uh, there was like cats everywhere and shit, but. Um, Anyway, those guys were totally nice. Yeah, buying Pokemon cards. I got a Charizard there, I remember, for like 20 bucks. Hell yeah. I, I used you... to buy the Japanese import starter packs because that was what I was into. My rarest ones were No Name Dodo. Uh-huh. And maybe that was it. I don't remember having another one that was yeah. rare. No Name Dodo was like my prized possession. Yeah, yeah. Blank. Uh-huh. So it just had like a line, like name. So yeah. you were like supposed to like write in with a pin the oh, name of weird. the Pokemon. Yeah, it was pretty cool. That's so the illustration cool. was great, too. Um, and I made some counterfeit Pokemon cards and sold them to my little, fr- or my little brother's friends. Oh. <laughs> I would just print, I would print them on my computer and just paste them, like, literally oh. put, like, a glue stick and paste yeah. it on, like, a shitty Pokemon card and I'd laminate it. I'm sure to them. Yeah, I sold my friends, or my little brother's friend, a uh, missing no oh, whoa, okay. Pokemon card, which yeah. I made up. But Whoa. everybody knew about missing those. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I was like, no, it's official. I sold it to him for $20, and I got in a lot of trouble for it. Oh, because oh. the parents found out the later? The parents saw it, and they were like, this is obviously not real. <laughs> <laughs> you were just it's like, like a... MS paint skills. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, I, I was going to, I think, I think it's interesting, like, the difference was in R2 lists, I have a lot more, like, um, kind of like PC type games, which I've only recently really put on there. Like I have like, you know, uh, Deus Ex and Disco Elysium and Pathologic and uh, like Divinity, which are all kind of like newer games aside from Deus Ex, obviously. Uh, But games that I more recently played and finally beat that kind of blew my mind. Um, It's just interesting. I mean, I'm sure you know those games. My list is uh, games that are on my mind right now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Because, I, I mean, also, you know, I would include a lot of those on a greatest or most influential yeah. games list. The other thing is, I think my list is super flawed. I was thinking about this right before we started. I didn't put, like, a single multiplayer game on there. And uh-huh. I play multiplayer games. Right, right. Fairly frequently. I What I noticed was different about our list, I think, the big thing that I saw was that mine is much more mechanics oriented. Yeah, yeah, that's a good. Point. Like a lot of my games are like toys almost. Well, and by the way, for people listening, uh, I'll put in the description of this like both all the lists, so you guys can just look at them without just me listing them all. Um, I think, yeah, I think for mine, there's a lot more of like narrative, kind of being inside of a like story for a while and kind of just like in existing in that little world or whatever uh 
Uh, I mean, although, you know, we, you were playing stalker last year and then I ended up finally playing stalker and I still, when I think of stalker and just thinking of the atmosphere, the, the like stalker feels like this, such like a weird liminal space of strange vibes. Like that's what it gets so right. It feels empty and creepy and like full of loneliness in a way. I don't know. You know what I mean? No, I totally get it. And that's also something I think like jank actually yeah it's fairly well yeah yeah stalker and like silent hill 2 there's have many sim- like at least feeling wise you know i mean you can't understand jank software right you right. know like software that's predictable and polished feels a particular way i mean I, yeah and jank software is has a mystery unknown about it that's like unintended which i think is really cool i mean yeah. maybe it's the same for also like foreign games and stuff yeah but um i i really like that element of and that's what's interesting too is you see people are now trying to like recreate that like in, in kind of uh cheaper horror games like there's this game back in 1990 i think it's 1995 or 1999 uh by this like single developer let me make sure i have got the name right back in 1995 yeah it's called back in 1995 it's a horror game that's 100% just trying to recreate the look and feel of say like Silent Hill 1 slash weird janky PS1 kind of games and in some ways it it does recreate it faithfully but it doesn't it doesn't in it's completely other sense you know what I mean it's trying to make it be Mm -hmm. janky but you can't it's how do you try it you know what I mean yeah I mean it's like in a movie when they do the old footage scene and it's so right. clearly like a final cut like overlay or something like that yeah 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 um, filter or some garbage yes exactly or like video you know crt evil you know like imagine line yeah glitch. which yeah which is weird too like the way you can play like emulated games and add the scan lines like why would what why would you do that they don't even look I mean, real it, anyway they don't look real. I get. I mean, I get the idea. Yeah, of yeah. Why that early pixel art was designed for the CRT right. scanline rendering. Yeah. It's probably so, best. Yeah. But I just like would never do that. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, pixel art. I saw something about this on I think Reddit or something earlier. People talking about it's probably been talked about a thousand times. I just saw it for the first time, but it's about literally that, like pixel art and like how it was meant to be displayed in a certain way where the, uh, what's it called? Um, when there's like the pixels of uh, uh, checkerboarded to create yeah, yeah. fades. Mm-hmm. I get what you're saying. Or it's called now. Um, but they, what they were saying was that, uh, I'm losing my train of thought, that way, like they were, the artists designed that pixel art to be rendered like that. But we've definitely like kind of, since then at least in like our collective nostalgia have mm-hmm. decided that pixel art is crisp right that pixel art is actually hyper light drifter right, when right it was right. definitely soft as hell no, back no, in the day. yeah but i mean i i like the new aesthetic too yeah like, don't get me wrong no for sure and also it's like you know in some ways it's like and i have one of these get an old tv and like play the games and and the way they're kind of meant to be viewed like you're saying amelia um do you like I, was, I guess I was going to ask, like, did you ever feel left out in, like, as a kid, as would boys play, like, video games around you, like your cousins? 
Did you ever yeah. feel like you didn't relate to those games? Like, obviously, you love the games you love, you know, or did you? I guess. Or did um, your, or would everyone play games together? Like, do you have memories of, like, your family playing video games? Yeah, well, I had, like, an older cousin who was a girl who was into video games, and that was cool. But before that, it was, like, all my cousins on my dad's side who were all boys, like, they all had games. And it did feel kind of like, oh, I don't know, in some instances, like, we'd be on the couch or something, like, playing at their house and stuff, and, like, they just were on their Game Boy or whatever, and, like, it would be, like, oh, I, I would, like, be so down to, like, do that, but there was kind of, like, not, well, like, a, a sharing thing. But that's what's interesting to me, too, is, like, what, like, the games that you end up, you talk about that you really love, these are games I'll sit and watch you play for hours, are, like, games that are, in some ways, very different from what they kind of tried to sell to the pop culture boys, whether it's, like, Call of Duty or even like games real that... real games right, yeah. right. Uh, or, th- uh, elevated games to use that annoying term right I mean I mean was this something that you ever like thought about or like really like that annoyed you or was it just like well whatever I like no not really it was kind of just like that's a guy's thing but I was into video games and yeah. I didn't even like really realize it because it's like not the same kind of games you know right right no I mean I think that's what's interesting is different types of people it's not even a gender thing and with their brains like different types of games like my mom to this day, when she comes over to the house, she wants me to turn on Doom. And to her, that's pure yeah. bliss to play Doom and sit there and, like, kill the demons or whatever. Oh, totally. Uh, or That should be on the back of the Doom box. Yeah, I'm Rusty's mom. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's she, pure bliss to kill the demons in Doom. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And my mom also loved Perfect Dark for N64. She would sit and literally call my friends up when I was in, like, seventh grade and be like, call your friend, and ask to speak with him, and then she would get, take the phone and be like, how do you get past this <laughs> level in Perfect Dark? Oh my that's god. So cute. That's, 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 the most, that's so cool. Yeah, my mom, and that, that, she's still to this day, my mom has an old N64 I gave her the other day, like, that she had to buy again, and she sits and plays it to just relax, or she also got really into she has a sega the same sega for, that we have from the 90s and she sits and plays kid chameleon which i don't know if you've ever played but it's pretty interesting it's really hard though too uh but but amelia like i think to me when i think when you like are playing something like uh chips challenge what does it feel like does it just feel like you're relaxing. Well, it's it's the same exact feeling. It all started <clears throat> after I started taking like medication oh, yeah. for ADD and like I actually would I would like come home from school and I would still be like fully on the drug on speed. Like, on speed. Yeah, and I couldn't like I couldn't just like take a nap or like eat like or anything so I would literally just go on my computer and play bubble shooter and it was like doing something like a streamline of like of like this game was like a portal into my own thoughts because like I literally couldn't think if I wasn't like doing this task so like playing the game was so like 
it was like a dopamine hit. Like it really like felt like so good to just like zone in after school and do nothing else but that. So like yeah, yeah. even to this day, it's it's like the exact same feeling. Like I can just zone so hard and like it feels and, like so good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But and that's what's interesting is like obviously you got off, you know, Vivance or whatever you're on. Yeah. Um, but I don't know, that's its own interesting thing. It's like medicated kids on amphetamines and like feeling like your thoughts can only kind of like work if they're in this very rigid uh like box of like yeah dopamine hit um also because it's like to like stop you from like looking out the window and having like a daydream basically like you have like you lose that capacity to even like have a daydream in the middle of the day just like think about like imagine something so like I would literally have to focus in on one thing that wasn't like, it wasn't like doing your homework or something. It was like an empty task. Like Mm -hmm. playing bubble shooter is like literally the most like vapid game because you're just like matching colors and balls. But it was like, it's like pure, purely just like to, I don't know, think about something else in a way. Yeah, it's almost like a fidget spinner, or like smoking yeah. or compulsive eating or something like that. For yeah, sure. I mean, it's also reminds me of how people, you know, they uh, people walk when they're thinking. Or yeah. I, I do, I I pace. I'm a pacer. I'm well known for pacing. I pace up and everywhere, and mm-hmm. I pace when I'm on my phone like crazy. Right, and it reminds me of that kind of. Um, yeah. Where it's like you have to get into this weird flow state for like you to be able to it's it's not quite conscious. It's like you're creating this like almost like hypnotized state where like part of your brain can be focused on this tangible task while the other part of your brain is like freed up to really wander and like process stuff. Yeah, no, totally. I mean it's so true. I think I think that goes into like for me getting sober because I was talking to Amelia about this, like, where I watch these videos of people that are, like, on the streets or, like, have issues of drugs or whatever. Um, People talking about how they try to get off drugs and then they feel boredom. They feel intense boredom. And uh, they don't know how to fill that void of of even boredom. And that's something I related to so much. I would get sober and then I'd be sitting in a room and being like, fuck. I mean, aside from being, like, depressed or sad or having to deal with shit that I had done this real feeling of like my brain my intellectual brain needs to connect with something you know and I would then you know end up relapsing but I think I can remember you know getting sober for like a year or so before I started playing say like Dark Souls again but it was that kind of joy of just like I don't even think it was nostalgic joy, which, you know, that's there too, but it was the joy of, like, connecting with this, like, complex, interesting game, like, a game, just, like, reading a novel or something intellectually does something to your soul or your mind. That's the best form of a game to me, you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Um, Where you're, like, truly, like, gaining something, like, really beautiful and and great, Uh, but, uh, at the same time, I think, you know, I don't think the answer to everyone trying to get sober is to play video games, but, uh, <laughs> but, but I think there's it's also like the argument that games like are, you know, designed with their release schedules and marketing to give us that super similar dopamine hit of 
new game release. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. And, and, and I, I think that that probably has some legitimacy to it. Oh, yeah. You see so many you know, raging gamers when the Nintendo Direct doesn't have anything right. garbage on it. Well, right. No, totally. I mean, uh, I think so we were joking you could make like a game called like game hype the game where you like have to like uh it could be like a click, <laughs> clicker game where you have to be the pr team who like makes leaks happen or you like make sure the reddit page is like going correctly and you have to put x amount of tweets every day and have x amount of engagements right uh, because that's what essentially, you know, happened with cyberpunk and all kinds of games. You know what I mean? Like in even yeah. La Last of Us 2 that was a game that many people liked, but something should be said for the hype around it, right? Well, the marketers are nearly designing games at AAA Studios now. Right, I mean, right. look at uh, Anthem, for instance. Like, the developers, like, aren't seeing basically what the, like, vertical slice is right. until they are showing it at E3 at the like, promo oh, video. They're like, right. oh, that's what we're making. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's so <laughs> fucked up. It's insane. And, and like, you know, of course, Cyberpunk, we all know uh, everyone's mind was blown. It, it, it could be argued that Cyberpunk was a game that was really just the subreddit. That was the best part of it, was watching the subreddit and be like, what could this game be? You know, it reminded me of being a kid and being like, what could the new 100 Pokemon oh, I mean, be, right? I totally agree with you. I'll argue yeah. for that all day. I mean, I told you the other day, Death Stranding started, you know, three years before the game came out with right. the trailers and the speculation. Right, right. I mean, exactly. I think that in some games, that's where it starts. Like, I I mean, you know, I wasn't expecting much from Cyberpunk because I'm not a right. big fan of that studio in the first place. But yeah. now now i like cyberpunk i haven't even played it but all the drama and all <laughs> yeah, the speculation yeah. it made me more curious than ever it made me look up like youtube <laughs> videos that are like secrets hidden in cyberpunk things that yeah. were like un left unfinished like secret yeah. areas left unfinished that yeah. is interesting to me that's cool yeah yeah no I, I i love that stuff too and then of course it's interesting that in this new world sometimes there's just the uh critic critiques and videos that are made about a game are more interesting than the game you know all the thinkers and all the interesting video essayists that we watch on youtube mm -hmm. um it's that's one cool thing of course about like the technology in the modern world is to see like people coming together to like really do the best version of what critique can be which is to kind of push these new interesting ideas and like ways to think about a game or think about any intellectual thing i don't know but it's just i mean i agree i think it's also part of the marketing but i like yeah it. oh yeah it is of course um i mean it's like it's all matrix format. yeah matrix yeah. really pioneered that transmedia arg marketing yes, phenomenon for and sure. now it's so ingrained like I, i've done work for this one woman who works for um these companies that are like kind of big I guess content creators uh -huh. and they do a lot of stuff that is like targeting fandoms right oh okay. how to like integrate fandoms into their marketing campaigns it's oh. pretty crazy I and mean, I've never seen the other side of that before I started doing that it, it's really it's really wild I'm sure it's huge and I mean just thinking about like I don't know anything about k-pop Korean bands but like you know uh, it's like a thing on Twitter where like korean k-pop stands or fans will just like randomly post 
their favorite K-pop person's like GIF on just a random Twitter thread that's super popular, right? So what ends up happening is this, is the fans love their, the groups so much, right? That to push the, the groups, what they do is they find, say, a really popular Twitter thread that day that has like tons of engagement. And then they post a random GIF of, the mo of their favorite member of their boy group, right? Do you get mm -hmm. what I mean? So what it does is it helps push and market that boy group just by being attached to a random popular Twitter thread that could be about oranges or a joke or whatever. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it spreads the right. Venn diagram and, audience. And, sort of right, thing. and of course, the, if you talk to these stands, I'm sure most of them would be like, no, this is just what you do because I love them so much, but I'm sure the marketing teams for these people know exactly what they're doing. You know what Yeah, I mean? well, they're at least crossing their fingers. Right, right. That is uh, what's happening, at the very least. Yeah, that's uh, so cool. Uh, or scary, I don't know. I mean, I think um, it's I interesting know. for fun, for sure, for fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It is well, fun. It is fun. It's well, fun if you can watch it and um, try to not get too inundated with it, or and relying on it and needing yeah. it. Yeah, I think yeah. People literally, you. I always think it's a joke, but like you said, people getting mad that the Nintendo Direct doesn't have enough games or. Um, it's like people are like, why aren't there enough PS5 games? It's like, I don't know. Did, didn't something happen in 2020 that really fucked everything yeah. up? Like, there's no like Xbox One at whatever games. Like, yeah, I know. Yeah, right. People are truly upset. and and. But that's like, that's a wider disconnect too than just games, I think. Right. That, yeah, that's, that's like generally, thing. that's like culture it, simultaneously right. saying, coronavirus is going to be the literal end of the world right right but it's also not really that big of a deal i think about right. this crap all the time the way it's like the government has advised you to do this but also you can get really cheap plane tickets for a vacation all the right right, right. Airbnb, like there's mixed messaging coming yeah, from yeah. every direction i mean i mean that's the thing it's like so uh, i get that like some dumbass teenagers and some dumbass right 30 40 year old to read only teenagers shit all day right 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 that everything's business as usual yeah yeah for sure for sure because they're trying to, to do all of it i mean um i don't know I, I think i think this would be a good place to stop but we should keep doing this maybe next week or something else and talk more about different games yeah uh, i think this is a good like, opening just general talk about stuff and then we yeah. can kind of hone in more shit. Yeah, sorry if I go all over the place. I no, no, this is perfect. We were all talking about everything. Um, well, um, and I'm also bad at talking to an audience. I just like no. Talk to you this guys. is no, this is <laughs> this is what we do. And I think uh, you know, to all the listeners, we're gonna edit this, but to all the listeners, um, Mitchell does Immortalist, and he produced a ton of breathing problem tracks with us uh, for us. And um, we haven't even begun to talk about his music and also uh, his connection to like video game music. He made a mix that we're going to publish soon. But uh, anyway, more to come. Thank you, everyone, for listening. I'm Rusty Kelly. And I'm Amelia McKay. And Thank this you. is Breathing Problem Productions Podcast. Bye. All right. Bye. -bye. <laughs> All right. Later. Later. <laughs>